You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Let's see. What does that thing say that you're holding up? Colonial pen. Worried about final expenses? Take a look at this budget-friendly plan. Oh, that's from Alex Trebek. That's kind of sad because he... It's very He's no longer alive. It's a little on the nose. I wonder if it's like uh, you know, new new frontiers in advertising. Um, on the nose in the sense of oh, you, it, you arri- mean the it timing arrived of it? like it arrived like the day that uh, he died, basically. That's that's poignant, and it, I, I guess I, I, you don't think it was planned. I don't think so. There's a lot of of, of that kind of thinking around. The, he's been of, dying. He's been dying for a long time. I don't see that as part of a marketing strategy. To to uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm expecting one from Saddam Hussein any minute. Um, Mickey, can fair, I just it, say I'm a little disappointed? I, I uh, when I was wondering what. Uh, wacky and endearing visual gag you would begin the podcast with i i kind of figured you would have st- a streak running down each side of your did you consider I thought that? Of that but that all those dyes are carcinogenic and 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 how would i get it off that is an I'd, excellent I'd, question i'd looked at and it would drip on my fine garments so i went with alex trebek apparently not a big hit but did you not hear that um, apparently, in fact, uh, it was not dye dripping down his uh, – they, they they canvassed some actual hairdressers and they said it was very unlikely to be uh, to be dye, uh, much more likely that it was mascara he had used to touch up his sideburns. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So you could have done that. Um, um, well, I won't look that bad, I hope. I, you know, for 76, Rudy doesn't look bad, I think. Even with streaks running down his face. He's I only think, 76? I think so. Why? Does that seem... Young to me, yes. Young for someone <laughs> who, who gives a, a, a press conference of that nature? He just seems like a guy who's much, much, much older than I am. Hmm. Uh, anyway, the... Um, so everybody's... Everybody, I'm getting it from all corners. You must denounce Rudy Giuliani. And I do denounce Rudy Giuliani. It was a... It was. It seems like a horrible press conference, and I also I, even worse. I mean, I mean, Giuliani's Giuliani's just saying he has evidence, and he'll either produce it or he won't. But the Trump uh, calling in the state legislators to try to get them to uh, subvert the electoral college outcome is is much more much worse. And, and everybody on the right is deserting Trump on this. I don't know anybody respectable. Uh, including at the National Review or Powerline, uh, who is defending him? In fact, they're all they're all sort of saying, "Okay, this is it." Uh, and and the fear, I guess, is that he's going to blow it and and blow the runoff in Georgia, which is very important at this point, and he's going to turn off Republican voters and demoralize them instead of inspiring them. So uh, I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss this. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't be so quick to say uh, that Giuliani's press conference and the Trump strategy are kind of uh, or, or the strategy to turn the state legislatures or, or prevent certification are really two different tracks. And I, I mean, I think a, a main function of Giuliani's press conference is to convince 
Trump supporters that, yes, there is something gravely amiss and they should put pressure on their state legislature, their state legislators and other uh, officials involved in the certification process. And I think by those lights, uh, it was not necessarily a failure. I, I, if you look at that audience for the press conference, um, I, I don't think you should be distracted by all these uh, all these people making fun of his uh, the streaks down the side of his face. I They're not the target the audience. I, 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 I'm I'm being distracted by uh, all every every right wing commentator, including Tucker Carlson, turning on uh, this lawyer who promised evidence and had wild conspiracy theories and then didn't deliver it. So um, that is not good for for has, that is true. What does your friend what does your friend Steve Bannon say about all this? Well, um he ain't giving up, I'll tell you that much. Um and you know, I I think I said last week what is now clearer and I had this insight by virtue of listening to Steve Bannon that the plan is increasingly just to prevent certification, which is different from convincing state legislatures to actually flip the state, right? We're, we're, I don't think we're talking so much about legislatures taking the votes away from Biden and giving them to Trump. It's it's just now about not delivering the votes but to anyone. The, if he actually wants to retain the presidency, the numbers don't work unless he they actually give the votes to Trump. Because the rule is whoever wins a majority of the remaining electors who are chosen, certified, wins. And even if you take out these contested states— Biden has a majority of the remaining electors. The only way Trump wins is if they actually give those contested states to Trump. Now, is that completely clear? Because I thought that was controversial. But but they definitely if a state I, fails I, to decertify, then the threshold drops below 270. The I'm, threshold I'm for pretty sure. I mean, I've seen it three places. That's the rule of three. It has to be right. But no, you maybe there's some crazy legal argument that that's not the case. I, I, I've just seen several people debunk this idea. Bannon claims it's not the case, but he 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 doesn't he doesn't mount any kind of argument. Um, I, you know, you got to remember, there's still a lot of states they haven't given up on. If you, I mean, they they if they if they stop certification everywhere they hope to do it, uh, they might win. Um, they might throw it into the house, even given the, right. the fact that the threshold would be lower sure. than two seventy. Sure, but that a that's not going to happen, and b I don't think. Uh, I don't think it's going to get that much traction with the base. This is the this is a, we have a harmonic convergence of topics because this dovetails with the 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 fear which is everywhere that, including my friends on the right, that Trump has a large cult that is siloed and doesn't get any information from the outside, and the, and the, that they're they're enough. And you know, I, I he does have a cult, and they are siloed, but. I, I deny that they are enough to force any state legislature to uh, not certify elected electors. Okay, but they're uh, not. And, and I don't yet. think that I don't think they're big enough. Georgia either. I mean, in Georgia, he needs uh, he has to need more than the base because he's firing up the Democrats too. At the same time as he's fi he's allegedly firing up the Republicans. I just think it this might have been a huge egotistical miscalculation on his part that gee. It helps me, and what's more, it'll be good for Georgia too. Well, I don't think that's the case. I assume the the two saving graces are one that if he drops it in a week, there's plenty of time. Uh, I think there's plenty of time to uh, have people in Georgia forget about it, 
And I assume that people like Karl Rove and his daughter will pay him a visit and convince him that he has a bright future, uh, you know, the bright future ahead, even if he quits. This is, um, this is more harmonic convergence. It also dovetails with a third story in the week, which is this nurse who claims that people of dying COVID, who are dying of COVID say, uh, this isn't real. Oh, this isn't real. Oh my God. Well, this is Trump saying, oh my God, this isn't real. Something, give me the miracle cure. Something must happen. Um, this is him facing his political death, which he obviously is not, not looking forward to. Uh, that was an impressive connection you made there. Well, I have something to say about the nurse, actually. Can, can I first uh, give you some numbers that, that uh, may uh, make you less dismissive of the possibility that this whole thing could gain momentum in Republican circles? So a Reuters Ipsos poll found that 52% of Republicans thought that Trump had, quote, rightfully won the election. A Politico Morning Consult poll found that 70% of Republicans don't believe the election was, quote, free and fair. Um, and oh. this is uh, an economist poll found that four and five Trump supporters believe fraud changed the outcome nationally. I mean, th these are pretty large numbers of people, and, and that's the pressure they're going to try. And, and, it, and it could well be growing, is, is my point. Uh, and that's the pressure they're going to try to bring to bear on these various state officials. There, there's a difference between thinking there was fraud. I mean, I certainly strongly suspect there was fraud and thinking that it, a, it was it was it was enough to overturn the election. I, I guess that's it. And and B, that Trump, uh, you know, has a case that, you know, sh should proceed and he should win the case and actually overturn the election, even if he can't prove it. Uh, so. Uh, it seems to be the, one of those polls just mentioned the first thing, which is I might even sign off on. Uh, and the, uh, the only, you know, the only one that seems serious is the last one, the economist poll. But, um, I, I, so, I, well, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Are you think those polls will decay? Last week, you were dismissive of claims that Trump was doing damage to our democracy. Do you think now he's doing damage? To our democracy? Well, if he goes through with the electors thing, yeah, and people take him seriously. Well, yeah. see, I, I would argue that if you just look at those poll numbers, it's clear he's done damage to democracy. I mean, these people are going to be like permanently aggrieved. And and before you well, just what makes you what makes you think they're going to be permanently aggrieved? And also, there's a reasonable basis for thinking that there was uh, some shenanigans. Well, there's so. always I mean, there are always irregularities, you know, the, the, but but that's different from thinking that the election was stolen through as Giuliani suggested yesterday, a centralized, nationally centralized orchestrated plot or, or this or this, uh, you know, the 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 uh, the thing you mentioned, the woman who uh, at the same press conference alleging that there's, uh, you know, the, that Venezuelan made voting machines or well, something. The, or, the Dominion, the Dominion theory has been disproved. That's what the hand count in Georgia was designed to do. You know, Dominion has this crazy system where it gives you a paper ballot and then encodes the result in the machine. And the question was, were, would the paper ballot, which the voter can review, actually be reflected in this mysterious machine code? And if there was a discrepancy, which side would be the which side would win? Obviously, the paper ballots should win, but the legal, the law, I think, says the machine count wins. But there was no discrepancy. The, the, the machines mm -hmm. seem to have counted these paper ballots accurately. And if they were programmed to uh, 
fuck around with the vote, they wouldn't have. So the, the Dominion thing is seems to me is dead. So are you are you troubled? So leaving aside, it, it, I mean, we we can maybe get back to this question of the of how lasting any damage is by virtue of the number of people who now uh, who now have this grievance. But were you not troubled that Trump called a somebody on the board of canvassers in Wayne County, Michigan, who had just voted to certify? And apparently convinced her to try to rescind her certification, A. And B, I think at last check, he was going to host these two legis- legislators from the Michigan State Legislature and presumably try to convince them to either not certify or, or actually flip the state. Well, the latter is, the latter is, of course, everything is troubling, Bob. It's not a very high bar for me to meet. But, um, the second thing is much worse, it seems to me, because the second one I think he's saying, is is what uh, you know what the electors what the legislature in Florida threatened to do in Gore versus Bush, which is we don't care what the outcome of the election is. We think in that case Bush won. In this case, it'd be we think Trump. We, we're going to give the electors to Trump, no matter. So what do we have the election for? If they're just going to ignore it. Uh, so that is is deeply uh, undermining. You don't think the Wayne County thing is troubling? He's just trying to influence what what the people's whether people whether people who are in the early in the process to determine <laughs> whether the election is no, it's troubling, of course, but it's not as bad as the second one. The second one is a nuclear weapon. Well, actually, Wayne County would have been the nuclear weapon. I mean, if they don't have the Wayne County votes, I don't think Michigan votes goes for goes for Biden. I, I you know, if he could hold up the Wayne County certification as he tried to. And I, I mean, there, the reason I'm asking... Then, 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 then there'll be a court process in Michigan to try to, you know, count the votes. The Michigan court, courts are not going to allow all of Wayne County's votes to be thrown out. So there's some process there. And the other one, it subverts the process. Okay, I guess, I mean, as for the word troubling, I guess I'm at... It seemed to me that last week you you didn't even rise to the level of troubled about what Trump was doing with, with this election. Correct. Has your view changed? So you have moved... Yes. You now have reached the troubled threshold. This is this is all... I will, I will rest my case and talk about whatever you want to talk about if we've established that. Yes. Thank you. Mickey is, is. troubled. We have our headline. Troubled in a different sense than we always knew he was mm-hmm. troubled. You can even get me to condemn if you push hard enough. Okay. Will you condemn? <laughs> I, I condemn everything. Uh, the, my point about the – let me quickly get in my point about the nurse since I brought her up. Uh, the, the, the reason the nurse is uh, – this is the nurse who went on TV and said she had patients who had COVID who uh, – as we, as you said, you know, all of a sudden say, this isn't real, this isn't happening, give me the miracle cure. My impression is that when you're dying, there's that very often happens. I've seen it happen in my life. You're dying and you have no hope and, and, you, and yeah. you just suddenly say, you say, Bob, get me out of here. You know, okay, this is enough. This is a joke. Get me out of here. And And Bob has to explain that, no, it's not a joke. And it's a very tough moment. And it's, it's it, you know, it's probably what was happening with these COVID people, and it's 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 incredibly offensive for the. I think it's quite offensive for the nurse, who must be experienced in these moments, to make light of that. 
to turn it into something political. I, I didn't see what she People actually... People who are dying are desperate. They'll grasp at anything. Yeah, I didn't see what she actually said. I, I It seemed like suspicious to me from the get-go because I can well imagine myself while dying just saying, I can't believe this is happening. I cannot believe yeah. this is... It's like... Because you never take dying seriously until it happens. I don't even take seriously that I will be three years older than I am now in three years. Unless you take LSD, in which case your ego will dissolve and you'll come to see that it's all part of the plan and you'll be resigned to it, right? We really are moving all over the landscape today, aren't we? Uh, there, You know, there is this interesting, you know, they've done a lot of studies about psilocybin and LSD helping people re reconcile themselves to uh, the inevitability of death. They, you know, have done these things with terminal cancer patients and so on. Um, so, yes, and... By the way, interesting thing here in New Jersey. Uh, so the referendum to legalize marijuana passed and they, they require enabling legislation. And somebody in the state legislature, in the committee that that uh, put out the, the legislation, added the decriminalization, not the legalization, um, of psilocybin, of mushrooms. So there you go. Party I may be able house. just you know the, just in time for my impending death. Are you got you should ha you, you next the next podcast you're going to be having a, a sort of séance like experience, right? That's like a three hundred dollar level pay, parrot room Patreon tier thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard of I've heard of this toad drug, but wait till you try the parrot drug. Both both are, uh, the toad drug is described. Um, in the uh, Michael Pollan book, How to Change Your Mind, yes, that is supposedly gives you guaranteed ego death. They should give um, that to Trump. Give him the toad. The uh, <laughs> what is it? It's five meo DMT or something like that. Meo five something. I could just see the ad from Alex Trebek. Guaranteed ego death. Yeah. With colonial pen. Yeah. Don't worry about your final expenses. Wait, what is being advertised on that on that Alex Trebek thing? Some sort of insurance for your funeral expenses. Should we pause to pay tribute to him? Oh, it's a funeral thing? Are you serious? I missed that. Yes. Oh my god. Point. Oh my god. Worried about final expenses. Oh. This is Alex Trebek saying I should, you know. Well, look, they I had mean, known Jesus. for I mean, yeah, no, that isn't a coincidence. They had known for a long time that he had cancer. Yeah. Oh, that's I, creepy. Thank you. I'd never, um, I was never an Alex Trebek fan, not that I just never saw him. I was more of a Pat Sajak guy. Wait, but Pat Sajak never did Jeopardy, right? No, but they're rivals. They're basically the same. They have the do same you, do you remember who the original Jeopardy? Oh, this sounds more like the Parrot Room. We should skip it. Anyway, Art Fleming was the original Jeopardy okay. host. Not that anyway, I'm old enough Pat to know. Pat Sajak is a figure on the right. I don't know about Alex Trebek. But, oh, is Pat Sajak on the right? No, Alex Trebek's yes. Canadian. He would be. He would not be uh, too Pat far right. Pat Sajak has a very funny right-wing Twitter feed. What about Vanna White? I don't know. Last I heard, she was on a plane with Nellie, and it was all about the Benjamins. So. And you keep up with a lot of stuff. That's an old. That's an old fart rap song, um, but a great one. Um, so while we're on this silo business. Uh, there's a big fuss about Rick Stengel. Uh, have you seen that? No, I haven't. By, I, by I disappointing Rick. Rick Stengel, I think head of some sort of State Department international communications 
He's uh, well, he did I, something th- like that in the Obama administration, right? Uh, in the state, he was a State Department's like right. public diplomacy so maybe, person or something. Maybe this is something else. Anyway, they're considering him for a job, and Jonathan Turley attacked him as an enemy of free speech. I should say, caveat: Stengel's been very nice to me, getting me into events. You know, when they're they're interviewing some politician at a convention, and I don't have credentials, and Stengel will say, "Oh, come on in, Mickey," because I used to write for Newsweek. And he knows me. So he's a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson Mandela's uh, biographer or co, co-writer of his biography or something. Um, and former editor of Time. But his piece in the op-ed, on the op-ed page of the Washington Post really is troubling because it, for one thing, it, uh, it conflates two categories. He says he traveled the world and people asked him, well, why, why do you allow the burning of a Koran? And he says there's sort of like a fundamental defect, and he couldn't answer them. There's a fundamental defect in the First Amendment. It was built, you know, designed for an earlier time when maybe truth won out. And A, a there's no reason to think truth will beat falsity in the marketplace of ideas. And B, hate crimes that, uh, hate speech that uh, antagonizes people might cause violence. And he sort of conflates these two ideas, the false speech and the hate speech, and of course they're not congruent. I mean, you could have uh, false speech that wasn't hate speech, and hate speech that wasn't false. Uh, and and so why you sort of lump them together is wrong. So wait, let me get clear. This is a Rick Stengel op-ed that he is now being criticized Correct. for by it's, people it's who want him not it was like to a get. Year ago. But but he, but they're now bringing it up to keep him out of the Biden administration. Correct. Okay, and, and 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 he is saying that in his ideal world, was he explicitly saying you wouldn't be able to burn the Quran? Or he said we should think. Hate, he says hate speech laws are very hard to d- write. We should start the debate and start writing them. Basically, he says let's start the debate. He doesn't say I'm for them, but basically he obviously is, or else he wouldn't write the op-ed. Um, um, well, I'd have to read it to pass judgment. Of course, a lot. Of- a lot of people on the right think flag burning should be illegal, so they're not entirely uh, right. I think they're wrong too. I mean, so do I, I. Was, I was I, at one point. I was because that was the, one of the big contradictions of Bork. Bork. Bork made an exception and suddenly decided that flag burning should be illegal for no what, particular dur- during his confirmation hearing. I think so. And in his book, mm-hmm. I remember. I think also in his confirmation hearing. Uh, but the key point is. Uh, this marketplace of ideas and will truth win out? And the the most the most important book in my college years, the one that like you got twenty term papers out of, was a book called The Poverty of Liberalism by Robert Paul Wolf. And uh, he makes the argument that, of course, the market the idea that truth wins out in the marketplace of ideas, the John Stuart Mill idea, that's sort of bullshit. I mean, there's no reason to think the truth will out in the marketplace of ideas. But that's not really why we're for free speech. We're really, we are for free speech because the act of speech between two people is a positive interpersonal experience. True or not, we (laughs) want speech. Depends on the person. Well, we, but in general, it's a good thing and we want more of it. And we we want it to be free because that adds, that's part of the positive aspect. And it doesn't matter whether truth will, wills, wills out in the in the truth wins out of the marketplace of ideas, it's a positive good in itself. 
Wait. The journey is the experience, Bob. If that's your, <laughs> if that's your defense of free speech, then I would think uh, the validity of the defense could wax and wane uh, as like technologies, for example, come along that increase the number of unpleasant interactions between two people, and we have uh, exa- but between the average two people, and and we can see that how that could happen. I, I, it seems to me the most important part of a defense of free speech is just look at the alternative. You know, if you if you put in someone's hands the ability to tell you what you can and can't say, um, bad things happen. I don't I I, I dispute your first point. Why would technology that gives people a bad experience prosper? Do people go on Facebook because they hate it? Wait, I take that. This this isn't Uh, about (laughs) this this isn't about the hunting, is it? Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, presumably they people will use them because they find they have a positive experience on them. I mean, I, yes, I go on Facebook saying there has to be a positive experience here somewhere. I'll try again. But I find, you know, the things I use, I wouldn't use them if they were entirely negative. What do you think, by the way, of this parlor thing? Is that the name of the, the currently cool right wing alternative to Twitter? It got a big boost because of Twitter's ham handed attempts at censorship. Right. Uh, uh, and, um, uh, you know, I have the same objection everybody has. I don't want to only talk to right wingers. It's like, if, if, if they got some big left wingers, they should bribe Ezra Klein to go to parlor exclusively or something. Or, I'm, uh, I, I would go for a pretty small amount of money if, if, uh, okay, well, there you go. But you're not left wing enough. You're not an icon. Now, also, I'm not what they want. I mean, it seems to me that the the big failure of Parler will be that conservatives don't have anybody to troll, and and I'm not that trollable. Neither is Ezra. Actually, he's not. He doesn't fall for that kind of bait usually. So they need they need people uh, who are highly reactive and combustible. Not not that I'm not by nature both of those, but I just try to to not be on Twitter. Um, to be trollable, you have to have somebody who like reacts like a big, slow-moving, heavily bleeding target. Why no, I'm use- saying the opposite. They need look. The, uh, Trump relies on trolling. That's why, like, w- if God willing, he should ever leave the White House. My advice to the resistance would be: ignore him, ignore him, ignore him. Right. Your well, rage is his fuel, and that's the but- problem with Parler. There's no fuel. I agree with that, but I just say I troll people who don't react, and it's perfectly satisfying. What you harass them, you you stalk them for not for not reacting. No, I just I write nasty things about them in in a retweet with a comment, and that's that's satisfying in itself. They don't have to respond. Oh, that reminds me if, about if, they, your... if, if, if you, sometimes they they block me, which is a problem. That's uh, and Ezra very kindly has not blocked me, but uh, but you know. He's eminently trollable. Um, anyway, but you're right. There's not enough targets in Parlor, but I think I think you can cross posts, so you could, you know, you could handle the problem that way. Yeah, that so, reminds me of your tweet, but I guess I failed to uh, to copy and paste it. Um, what tweet? The tweet where you said something about quote the left. You made this ridiculous generalization about quote the left. Didn't make a ridiculous generalization. I, this is a this isn't was in a, a post by David Atkins, who is right. certainly a person of the left in, in American politics, and he said, you know, that that this problem of the Trump cult is so great that we have to start thinking in terms of deprogramming and reeducation camps. He brought up those words. I didn't. Oh, here it is. And 
And you, you reacting like a, a standard left-wing troller said, what evidence do you have vis the left? Well, there's, there's tons of evidence that other people on the left have said similar things. We have we have uh, Robert Reich with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. He's certainly a person on the left. We have, and, and, and the point I was making is, I didn't say he was going to have re-education camps. I said, they're not satisfied with the victory over Trump. It's sort of too easy. No, they that's not what you said. They actually, want to be more satisfying. That's not what you said. I found the tweet, actually. I have bad okay, news read for you, Mickey. I, I actually have the evidence. I am better prepared for this conversation than Rudy Giuliani Go was ahead. for his press Go conference. Go ahead. You've boasted enough. Go ahead. Deliver the goods. <laughs> What you said is a, quote, peaceful transition of power, unquote, is not close to what the left wants. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Two they problems want with this. More. They want some emotional, they want something emotionally more satisfying than just winning and having Trump leave office and having the Biden administration take office. Answer that call on speakerphone. Give us a treat. Come on, do it. Swansea, Massachusetts. I don't know anybody in Swansea, Massachusetts. You don't now. Give it a try. Okay. Um. So, uh. well, no, my, my big objection uh, is I, to— I, 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 You haven't let the record show you have not proved your case. All I, no, no, all no, I no, said was All I said was that the, uh, winning the election was not enough. They want something more. As so often happens, you're underestimating the subtlety of my critique, Mickey. My problem is where we are using the term the left. I think if you say the left believes this, the right believes this, or black people believe this, or any other such generalization, it should be the case that at least half of them actually do. And and, and the reason this bothers me is because this is a standard talking point on the kind of Steve Bannon right. is like, the left is this, the left is that. It's part of this whole crazy demonization uh, process. That usually involves various kinds of dishonesty. I'm not saying your tweet well, involved I think, all of I them. Think, I think half do, and and if we and if I if I you think half, the, okay if I redefine the left as being the half that do, then it's a hundred percent of them. If you <laughs> the half of what though? What's the denominator? The half of uh, uh, you know habitual Democrats. Uh... Okay. Or, or 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 Bernie Sanders supporter, whoever you want to define. Okay, the left. but it, this is a huge theme of the left: is we we have they don't have really want to they don't really want a peaceful transfer of power. No, they want they violence. Want, they want the they peaceful want transfer. They want no, not that they want violence. I didn't say that. They want the you peaceful they, transfer ter- peaceful transfer of power plus something plus so, I, ideally they want everybody who was for Trump to get down on their knees and cry uncle and confess, but. uh peacefully, but uh, they want some sort of ongoing punishment. That's why we had the Trump Accountability Project, which is a blacklist, so that Trump people couldn't find jobs. That's why we had, you know, uh, you know, that's why we have this Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which isn't violent, It's you know, but it's not something we usually have. It's to go on and browbeat people who supported for Trump. That's why Harvard doesn't want speakers who are pro-Trump on its campus without some sort of special vetting procedure because they, they want them further punished, uh, not to be able to get speaking fees, which actually isn't such a bad idea. Uh, but, um, they, uh, it's, um, okay. Sorry. It's something I... beyond just winning the election and saying, okay, let's let bygones be, you know, let's carry on the way we usually do. Okay. I'm, I apologize for mistakenly inferring from your saying they didn't want a peaceful transfer of power. 
me, I, I took that to mean that they, they, they wanted a, a transfer of power. That was not peaceful. Uh, silly me. Sorry. But, but long before we, we were having this conversation, I clarified in a tweet that I was talking about some form of informal lustration. Now, I may not have known what lustration meant, but it was clearly peaceful. Illustration seems to mean people don't get jobs, <laughs> uh, and they and they can't serve in government. But I also thought it covered uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions. Not clear to me. It's a good word. It does or doesn't. It's up there with defenestration. The um. So uh, at some point, I want to argue that. Uh, drill down a little more into the damage that I claim is being done enduringly to the Republic. Uh, okay. Well, now's as good a time as any. I only have well, it's also, it one isn't more just, interesting topic to cover. Why don't you cover it? Uh, and then I'll get back to this. Okay. Well, the, we, I mentioned Ezra Klein. As you know, Ezra Klein is uh, leaving Vox. The organization he founded, he followed. Actually, I didn't know that. Matt Iglesias just quasi left Vox, yes. except for the podcast, yes. and, and went to Substack. You, yes, uh, and, and three, one more, and we'll have a trend. But it what's, only Ezra, takes, what's Ezra doing? Ezra's going to become an opinion columnist for the New York Times, writing a reported column. And I claim, while that's a very good job, a very prestigious job where you can have a lot of influence, he's leaving this huge organization that he founded and leads where he has an, a lot, a lot of influence. So I don't think even a column at the New York Times, unless they're going to print it on the front page, is enough to make him ordinary leave Vox unless Vox was in financial trouble like Huffington Post. I think both Matt and Ezra see the writing on the wall. They know that, that Bankoff of Vox can't fund their money-losing site forever, and there's an implosion about to happen, and they don't want to be around when the implosion happens. The implosion already happened at Huffington Post. They basically sold themselves to BuzzFeed for nothing. As far as I can see, uh, you know, my friend John Ellis bid a dollar. I think he outbid them. Uh, he outbid BuzzFeed, but they basically gave themselves to BuzzFeed. Wait, uh, who went to BuzzFeed for? Huffington Post. Okay. So um, we have... We have we have the five pillars of the, the you know uh, woke press. We have BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Vox, uh, Slate, and there was one other. Maybe there are only four. Uh, and we're in the the wokeopolypse where they're all after after Trump leaves office, the financial collapse is happening. And uh, I thought they should all merge into one, and they may eventually do that. But um, uh, so I, th I think I think basically Iglesias and Klein saw the writing on the wall. Could be wokeopolypse is a good word, by the way. But um, I mean, Ezra had already stepped away as editor. You know, he was not editor of Vox. He was he was some kind of editor at large, and he, and I don't think he was very involved in day to day affairs. So I'm but not. You don't sure think if he said. I want you to write this article on healthcare reform that I can't write. They wouldn't do it. No, of course they would do it. So he had he had a I don't know. I'm sure he had assignment powers that magnified whatever he would put in his own column. I I don't know how much of that there was. Look, New York Times is a great platform to be on. I I I, I uh makes sense but to me. I they have so many columnists now. I mean, they don't all, they don't all make the printed well, edition. No, they're, 
They, and so you're you're one of a hundred columnists of the New York Times. I mean, eventually they have so many that it's not that great a job. It's maybe that great a job because there's so few of them. Well, there's also the question of what happens in the New York Times if indeed Trump should leave the White House. What happens to the whole business model well, once once the rage uh, diminishes considerably, and yet they have now basically turned themselves into a you know partisan. Uh, right. Let the, re- let the record show that all the people who are complaining about people don't trust the media anymore. In part, that's because the media has made themselves untrustworthy. I don't. I used to even under the Pinch Sulzberger early Pinch Sulzberger regime, I trusted the New York Times. If I read something, I figured that it happened. That's no longer true. I it, it has to be a specific reporter who I trust, uh, and then I trust it. But there are very few of those, so. And you know CNN is much worse. Uh, the, the, so there, there is no trusted media voice anymore. And then the people have these untrustworthy media voices complain that people don't trust the media anymore. Well, how about making yourself trustworthy? No, that's uh, that's a problem. Glenn Greenwald was talking about this on a podcast he was on. That these days, when something happens, whether it's Hunter Biden, you know, something you'd like to get to the bottom of, Hunter Biden, or was there fraud in the election? There's like no outlet that you actually trust, with, you know, with resources to actually get to the bottom of the question. That's a good. That's a, Hunter Biden's a very good example because the Journal is one of those places you would normally ordinarily trust. Yet they just publish this conclusory thing that we find no evidence of Hunter of Joe Biden being involved in the in the corporate records we've perused. Well, that doesn't answer the question. It was obviously just a executive decision to shut this down. So you, if you can't trust the Wall Street Journal, then you're pretty much out of options. I think they are still pretty good. I, I mean, the the, rep, the repertorial section of the paper, obviously, to be distinguished from the kind of crazy opinion section. Um, I, I think they're better I than like the, the opinion section too. Of course, you would. The um, you know, just to reinforce, no, they they, they don't have the, the they don't they're not as crazy as they were under their previous editor, Bartley. They're not. They uh, no longer support the gold standard. I don't know. I don't. I don't never read their actual editorials, but their their <laughs> well, op-ed page. Don't let that stop you from judging. Their op-ed page run by James Toronto is quite good. Uh, has its moments. Uh, okay, but go ahead. The um, no, I just wanted to compare. You know, I I I I've felt for a long time now that the spectrum of credibility goes among the big three: New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and the reported sections goes from New York Times lowest credibility, Washington Post. Wall Street Journal. And I just noticed a contrast in headlines between the Times and the Post that I thought kind of made the point. Um, the Times headline, Trump tries to subvert the election, inviting Michigan GOP lawmakers to the White House. Now, I agree that the word subvert is actually accurate. I don't think it's appropriate for a straight news outfit to make that judgment. However, well, the Washington Post writes, Trump uses the headline, Trump uses power of presidency to try to overturn the election and say in office, to me, that's a slightly more palatable headline for a straight news outlet. Right. Um, but the, 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 the Post is pretty awful often. Uh, but first, I want to say that, that that Times editorial was they cranked it up another notch of craziness yesterday because it had things like it said his overwhelming victory in Michigan. Well, his Michigan Biden's overwhelming victory in Michigan. Well, it wasn't overwhelming. It was like three percent. So that's not overwhelming in my book. But they were they're like 
They're like turning up all the dials of hysteria. But the post is pretty awful. I mean, they, they, everything is race and part of Trump's racism. Uh, and uh, the, the worst was when he went to Mount Rushmore and gave a speech that didn't mention race and sort of purposely avoided race. They, they, they nevertheless ran the pre-write, which is, oh, this is all about racism. Uh, yeah, I, so, I don't think the Times is averse to that. I mean, I, 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 I think the Post is less likely to refer to train, uh, Trump's false claim of fraud and more likely to call it baseless or something, which I think is a little better. My preference would be unsubstantiated. That's the proper word when someone has not yet provided evidence. But in theory, the evidence could exist unsubstantiated. But you almost never see that word in the media now. Uh it's too long. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, you're right. I, w- I was trying to unproven. Figure- I was trying to, there you go. I was trying to figure out when this started. When did the press start to go crazy? Speaking specifically of the times. And I, when was the earliest time I remember the press being, times being crazy? And it was in the Bush Bush administration, the W the W Bush administration, not the H W Bush administration. And I, the question is: It just the product of the Iraq War? No, it can't be because the Times was sort of pro Iraq War in a lot of ways. Uh, it was it was you know the Bush and the deficits and the cuts and it was all it was the domestic uh, campaign against. Uh, George W. Bush's domestic agenda, which may have predated 9-11. And was it just the product of democratic rule coming to an end or that the Bush v. Gore nastiness bled over? Uh, but that's when I remember that it's starting to go crazy. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it got it got way crazier with Trump when they started using the word lies uh, to refer to we, things people said that were false without knowing really whether there was right. conscious we, knowledge that the, the, the information was untrue, in, in, in which right. case the, the word lie is not appropriate. Um, but, they but, really but, ratcheted it up. And I also think you, you, you kind of saw the ta- you, you saw these big media outlets kind of being bullied into it. I mean, like pressure would build on Twitter. I, I think Twitter played a big role, you know, and, and some of these, uh, these media watchdogs like Jay Rosen, uh, who I think maybe is at NYU. I mean, I had coffee with him once. Perfectly nice guy, but I don't think he's ever, as I said before, either here or in the parrot room, I don't think he's ever worked at a newspaper. And he has this idea that basically everything, every story should be an editorial that reflects his point of view. That's a slight caricature. But anyway, my point is the, 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 the paper started getting all this heat from social media and you saw them uh responding to it like in real time more of them started using the word lies npr by the way deserves credit for having held out they do not refer to what trump says as lies well and they were very proud of it they would congratulate each other they deserve a lead hell of a lead on this piece with if he if somebody used the word lies so there's sort of a self-congratulatory uh Uh, circle that forms totally in between Major papers. And relatedly, do you remember the New York Times piece where somebody went out and talked to this guy who I don't know if he was officially a neo-Nazi or what, but he either was or he was kind of in that realm. And it was an attempt to understand, like, how did he get here? What's he like? And he turned out to be in many ways a normal human being. I personally think that is a great object lesson 
that it isn't like this Monacan universe where there's these evil people and there's us. You know, any any ordinary person can, under the right circumstances, drift toward what I would consider the dark side. I think that's important, but I, I don't know if you remember this piece, but the Times took a ton of shit for it, and they apologized for it. They oh, apologized for yeah. good reporting. Yeah. And it, that's just the way it's been. They are... But did, did that affect, like, one of the worst things they've done is... is Get rid of James Bennett after publishing that. I think that is a uh, that is of was a that piece. Twitter driven. I my impression is that was internally driven. Well, the, the the Nazi piece was also partly internally driven. There was blowback. I am told uh, by reliable sources, uh, not just from the reporters, but apparently it comes from everybody. People in the, on the ad side, just the, the, you know, uh, there was staff blowback. There was also a ton of Twitter blowback. Um, and but they chickened out. But then it's then it's hopeless because all those people are still there. So even if Twitter goes away, the internally driven bias will prevail. Uh, well, well, certainly in James's case, it, that was largely internally driven. I think there, the 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 publishers uh, fear the whatever whatever the nickname is for the uh, uh, the most recent generation of Salzburger czars. Um, the it's not. Punch or Pinch? What? What is? Does he have a nickname? No, I was trying to think of one. I didn't. It's son come of up Pinch. Son of Pinch Salzberger. Um, the Pinchette. Uh, the Pinchette. Pinchette Salzberger. Um, <laughs> uh, you know he. Pinchito. Took, Pinchito. He took let's, the not, pulse. let's not. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not be I, feminine about it. I mean, Pinchito. remember. The staff tried to turn it into a racial issue. They said the black members of the staff feel threatened. James had 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 run a piece by Tom Cotton uh, amid all the the amid the the protests and the disorder, uh, advocating sending federal troops into cities. That was the the controversial thing. You can argue it either way, but I don't think it's a firing offense. I mean, the guy Tom Cotton is a U.S. senator. You can certainly make the case that we should know what our U.S. senators are thinking and give them, let them say it. We, you know, they got elected. Um, but in any event, um, there, uh, you know, the case was made well. Are, are the black members of the staff feel threatened by the possibility of federal troops in the cities, which is, I mean, first of all, there may be blacks who have reason to feel threatened. I don't think they're the ones who are reporters at the New York Times. Um, secondly... I mean, if somebody, if some middle-aged white guy should have to resign uh, over a case that is in some sense about white, uh, privileged whites, uh, arguably it should be a Salzburger, but I, I digress. Um, Do you, are you saying that Pinchito played a, played a bad role in this? <laughs> Isn't it Punchito? Did you say Pinchito? Oh, it, oh you're right. Pi- okay, it's Pinch, because it was Punch and then Pinch, and now... It could be either one. Wait, we said Pinchette. Make up our... Make up your, is it... I, I think, think Pinchito is more Pinchito respect- is definitely better. More respectful. <laughs> and that's what we aim for on our podcast. Um, so, but, Pinchito Salzberger... Um, go ahead. I'll, I just started... Well, you, are you saying he played a, a nefarious role? He just didn't have a lot of balls in terms of well, he, standing up to he the He did staff. the firing. He's the, he's the publisher. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't, uh, apparently have the, the nerve to, uh, uh, to let the moment pass. You know, I just did a dialogue with Greg Luke, is it Lukianoff? I think so, yeah. Something, you know, the co-author of The Coddling of the American Mind. He said, one thing people don't realize is like, if you just wait a couple of days, things subside. 
You know, it's like, just don't <laughs> fire anybody for a couple of days and things will subside. And well, I this think do- this dovetails into your point about silos and right wing uh, delusion, because I my claim is things will subside. People will stop freaking out about the election being stolen from Trump. And the 45% who think it now will dwindle to 20% and we can handle that. 20% is a big, is a big problem, first of all. But I would like to get into the dynamics by which, and, and this is not just to sound an alarm about the fate of the republic. I really think that uh, people who are left of center should understand what they're going to be up against, um, in the coming years and, you know, why they're up against it. Um, so, you know, there are, I think, as those numbers I trotted out suggested, a lot more people than some people on the left realize who genuinely think the election was stolen and they're going to think that for a long time. And so here's how it happens. And, and I think, by the way, this is partly a – well, I don't know. I'll save that question for last. So, so the other day I was curious about what was going on in the Georgia recount. So I go to Twitter and search for Georgia recount. And I get uh, – what I see, these are the top tweets. They're ranked in terms of how much action they're getting. I Is see that how bu- they're ranked? I never figured out how much – th- That's certainly a big part of the display. I think it has it's to be. I mean – no, it's I not think... random. It's not random. It, 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 it may not be purely a, 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 okay. a, a quantitative, you know, a, a, a kind of um, how much action they're getting, but that's a big part of it. And and what I saw was a bunch of people on the right, on the Trump right, doing tweets like, oh, who would have guessed they found another county where there were 1,500 votes they hadn't counted, and most of them are for Trump. Okay, and you weren't seeing this in my Twitter feed, but you but clearly you were seeing it in the other ecosystem. Now, partly because you weren't seeing it in my Twitter feed, nobody on my side was evaluating the validity of the claim. If you had evaluated it, this is what you would have probably concluded. So what happened? So in two counties, in several counties, there were a non-trivial number of votes uh, that they found that they'd failed to count. In two counties, it was actually over a thousand. That's, that's, that's significant. And the votes they found mostly went to Trump. And so the, on the right, they're thinking, oh, they had tried to conceal these votes. Okay. Why did they overwhelmingly go to Trump? Because those were counties in which Trump won the overwhelming majority of the vote, which probably means, although I didn't verify this, that those are counties run by Republicans. And perhaps by, by, by specifically pro Trump Republicans. In any event, this is not consistent with the Trump narrative that in democratic uh, controlled counties and cities, that's where the fraud took place. Uh, this is just incompetence by Republican officials. And, and, and if you were a Democrat who actually wanted to weave this into a conspiracy theory, what you could say is, well, isn't it interesting that in counties where Republicans are doing the manual recount, they're finding a bunch of votes that are for Trump that they just hadn't noticed before, right? So if anything, what's actually happening here supports either a Democratic uh, conspiracy theory or points to Republican incompetence. Those are the two most logical interpretations. But the way it's playing out in the Trump ecosystem, nobody is nobody's examining it that closely. And I assure you, tons of people 
are adding it to a bunch of, quote, evidence they see, including stuff Rudy Giuliani trotted out at that press conference. And and when you add it all up, there's there's a lot of it. I mean, I could go through these categories of evidence. In fact, I might, I might want to do that quickly um, and show you why a lot of it isn't worth paying attention to. But I'm telling you, over in the other media ecosystem, they are being flooded with this. And if I were one of them, I would I would be persuaded because that's all they're seeing. It seems, you know, it seems credible. So, for example, you know, they have a poll a poll watcher testifying that X, Y, and Z happened. Well, as I as I explained last week, for months, Steve Bannon, who has a big audience, when you add up YouTube, podcast, Newsmax TV, everywhere his show is, he has a big audience uh, and a and a uh, a cult like following. Uh, and, 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 uh, a following of people who are, some of whom are certainly inclined to conspiracy theories to begin with, if, if they find his, uh, content appetizing. Um, he has been saying, you gotta sign up to be poll watchers. Cause, you know, there's gonna be a ruckus after this. The real actions after the election. We gotta have our troops out there. You gotta sign up to be a poll watcher. So these people who are conspiracy minded to begin with, okay, are definitely represented among these poll watchers. And now we see poll watchers saying that crazy things were happening. Happening Now, half the time, I'm sure they believe it. They're, they're, they're the type who see conspiracies everywhere they look. But um, that's a whole other category of evidence that that is persuasive when you hear it, because for well, all you know, they're telling the truth. I'm, I, I'm sure all these things happen. Look at the overall result. The overall result was as centrist a result as you could possibly imagine. Voters, the vast majority of voters, they picked the most boring politician they could find, installed him as president, and they emasculated him by denying him the legislative troops that he would he would need if he was going to pursue the the more, most left-wing agenda. So the the overall outcome should 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 pour a lot of cold water on all these fears cuz you know, we read about the affidavits and the people on Twitter who are the most linked, but those aren't the voters. The vast majority of the voters are middle of the road schlubs like they always were, apparently. Um, I, I don't understand how you're dismissing my fears about what has happened since the election on the basis of what happened during the election. Because there was crazy shit happening before the election, too, and the people discounted it. Well, I frankly find it troubling that 70 million people could vote for Donald Trump after all the crazy shit he did. I mean, I, I, I don't, don't think I, I'm not dismissive of them because, as I just tried to explain, I understand how, given, first of all, some legitimate grievances some of these people have um, uh, that led them to Trump in the first place. And secondly, given the way the media e- ecosystems operate, I understand how they could come to the, the conclusion um, that you should that, that you should vote for him. I still find it troubling when you look at the kind you're of obje- talk, you're talking to one of them, Bob. Well, you know, I find you troubling. God, yeah, okay. I mean, well, you're, the, you're the you're you're the, the the most mysterious case of them all. But I mean, people. The obviously, the, my answer is people found uh, were, were 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 troubled also by what they thought might happen under Biden, so they picked the what they thought was the lesser of two evils. But I do think Trump is acting a qualitative amount. Crazier now than he was before the election. I think he's he's uh, and and so so it's it's if they voted for Trump now after the Giuliani press conference, 
if 70 million voted for him, I, I would be a whole lot more trouble than I was that 70 million voted for him when they did. I'm telling I, I was, you. I'm telling I, you. Well, go I, ahead. I have a taxi driver anecdote, which is I got my hair cut and my barber said, you know, I voted for Trump, but he lost. He should be a man. Accept the feed. Time to move on. You can so be, this an, like you can of, be a New York f- Times columnist. That's like, the, there you go. I got a That's column. a better than average Tom Friedman that's lead a, right that's there. That's a Nick Kristoff reported column right there. Now, Tom Friedman uh, is the classic cab driver guy. So anyway, uh, but I just think there are a whole lot of people uh, like the person who cuts my hair. And she did a good job too, don't you think? I think you could use some streaks down the side of your face. <laughs> okay, but anyway. aside from that, the, so, the but, um, and, ahead, and speaking of which, this is an excellent transition. I'm telling you, if you just watch the Giuliani press conference and you don't happen to tune into Tucker Carlson pointing out that that lady is crazy. Well, he didn't quite put it like that, but casting doubt on her, you know, somebody you trust casting doubt on her. Um, you know, the Giuliani press, it's like th- this one thing Giuliani keeps saying. Sounds persuasive, and and it's it's almost funny the extent to which he continues to rely on it. Since I don't think he's clueless enough to think it's valid, but he he really puts a lot of emphasis on it whenever he talks about Pennsylvania. Trump was ahead by seven hundred thousand votes, and then the margin just suddenly disappears. Let me just recount my my experience the morning after the election. I got up, I saw that Trump was ahead by about seven hundred fifty thousand votes in Pennsylvania. I started, I knew that the mail-in ballots were going to favor the Democrats. I started actually looking at the successive tranches of votes that came in and seeing what percentage of Democrat were Democrat. It was like 70, 75, 68, 77. I'm like, okay, at this rate, uh, Biden should catch Trump given how many votes are outstanding. A and B, I went back and looked at the publicly available records about what percentage of uh, mail returned mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania were from registered Democrats, and the numbers made total sense. It's exactly the numbers you would have predicted, and so there's absolutely zero mystery here. And I and and, and it's an interesting question whether Giuliani, what explains this dishonesty, stupidity, what? But um, I'm telling you, you hear him say this. If you're a Trump supporter, it is it is another thing that revs you up. And there's there and just uh, I I just think and you know remember Trump if you think he's crazy I mean first of all if you think he's acting crazily a I would say he's acting exactly the way he's always acted just in a new context a and b it could make a kind of tactical sense if he wants a highly energized base of aggrieved people to drive. Trump TV or whatever his post White House well, that's life right. is. And I, I worry that, that that goal conflicts with the goal of winning the election in Georgia. And he may I am less troubled by that prospect, but I seriously doubt it'll happen. I mean, first of all, my favorite candidate, the black minister whose name escapes me, is I, I I think is gonna get, you know, Reverend Wrighted. Uh the uh if you remember Jeremy Jeremy Wright. Um in fact the the parallels are are Similar are, are kind of eerie because, you know, Jeremy Wright, what did he say? Was it Jeremy? It's not Jeremy. Jeremiah? I don't know. Well, Jeremiah is a, a good a good word to use here because my point was going to be that biblical prophets said about Israel exactly what he said about America. But um, well, he apparently he's hilariously funny. Uh, who, the, and, the, the, the right. Georgia guy? Right. No, right. Oh, and the Georgia guy just seems like a good sh- good guy, just 
the affect. His affect is is good. Well, but I I I never understand. I never I don't know whether this sort of negative attack has that dramatic effect. I guess we'll see. Uh, I mean, what he said was, you can't serve the military and serve God. You can't serve money and serve God. He didn't say you can't serve in the military. He said something that I think is is most Christians in principle believe, which is that God is the ultimate authority. You you can't substitute any authority for God. But um, um, he, he seems a little woke for my taste, and I assume George's I suggested taste, that last um, week that I would heard he's very far to the left, and that that could hurt him. And and I and and in light of this, I don't know why you're so worried that that he could win in Georgia. Well, because Trump might demoralize Republicans. It's possible Trump will even sabotage Republicans. And uh, Democrats are fired up. This is their chance. Trump is fulminating about taking back the election. This is their chance to slap him across the face and 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 also to recover a bit of the victory that they were denied on Election Day when they thought they were going to sweep the Senate and they didn't. So if I were a Democrat, I would, you know, definitely be fired up. And, 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 and you know, Republicans have or, always won these runoffs, but they didn't have the mail-in threat that they have now. I mean, now... You know, we have we have Democratic activists running around ginning up the mail-in vote. One 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 positive thing I think about this is any idea that the Democrats are going to be push through a mail-in national mail-in or universal mail-in requirement is dead unless they get a filibuster proof, uh, you know, majority. They eliminate the filibuster or get sixty. The Republicans are never going to go along with universal mail-in requirements. Uh, for a generation, so yeah, you know, there uh, is. Since I think mail-in is rife with fraud. I'm, I'm for that. Well, it's an interesting case. You know, in Georgia, there, there are a couple of these uh, legal cases, or a couple of challenges, and this is what worries me uh, about the, the prospects for Trump actually succeeded, succeeding in uh, overturning the election. I mean, what reassures me is that uh, I'll check the betting markets now, but they, they have been getting uh, less favorable to Trump over the last. Uh, couple of days uh, but 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 what worries me i mean what the, i i just should quit listening to steve bannon he's just good at getting me worried because he does such an effective job of uh whipping up the the troops but um there there are a couple of things oh the odds are getting even worse for trump they're now down below 4% his chances thank you jesus the um uh sorry i didn't mean that offensively to um uh Anyway, I, I, I but, guess I should say I, the, the the number of the the percent of people in the population who think the election was stolen from Trump because of of the sequence you you cite, uh, where the you know the the in person voting numbers came in before the mail in voters, and the mail in voters put Biden over the top. I would say it's twenty percent of the right, which means it's ten percent of the population. Don't worry so much about it. That's a ton of people, Mickey. That's a ton of people. To, not enough to carry the election. And they're not crazy people. As you know, even Nazis are people, Bob. And these people are Nazis. They just happen to be... Uh, I'm not, I'm to not doubting that, that they're people. That the election was funny. I, I, there's just so many things that trouble me about this. Including, you know... These little things Trump is trying, the norms violations he's trying, you know, having these state legislators over, you know. Well, he tries everything. That's that's his, that's that's how he was successful on immigration, which that's is— That's what's dangerous he, as a president. He, he tries, tries everything. everything. If he tries A, he tries B, he tries C, he tries D. 
on immigration, B was a disaster. B was family separation. Uh, then he tried C. Then he tried D, which is a crazy threat against Mexico uh, with tariffs. And that worked. Yeah, but I'm, just, I'm just talking if about you don't the try norms. Him, you're never going to find out what works. I'm talking so about violation. Method. I mean, I know norms has become a cliche, but it is true. Well, the family separation violated norms, too. Yes, he violates norms. Yeah, but I'm talking about the norms that sustain democracy itself, the electoral process itself. Those are the ones he's trying to chip away. Now, it is there is such a thing as, as a norm violation that winds up upholding the norm because it gets such effective blowback. I don't think that's going to be the case here. Or, he he it, may be setting dangerous precedents, and 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 I don't feel we're out of the woods yet. It's not impossible I, that he I, could say. I, I agree that here. it's dangerous, and I agree that it's an important norm. But I think there is there is close to zero chance. Maybe the betting markets are right four percent that he will succeed. I'm with Mark Elias, the Democratic uh, election law lawyer. Uh, and financier of of uh, the dossier, who I normally don't like, who said, "Look, it's hopeless for Trump. There's no way he's going to win this. Uh, don't worry about it. It's it, it, this this strategy is going to fail." I think I mean, he's completely right. I I should concede there there are some of the as I was starting to say there are some of the things that they're trying their last gasp efforts um, do not depend on kind of uh, the testimony of people who may or may not be crackpots or Rudy Giuliani's weird math or so on. I mean, first of all, there's a kind of, I guess, interesting suit in Georgia where this guy, Lynn Wood, is making the case in court that, um, you know, there was a, apparently, Stacey Abrams sued, I guess she sued Georgia after her election about uh, the eligibility, the process of, of, of balloting, so, something. And, and and she and the, the, the Secretary of State reached a consent decree in court that had some influence on how the mail-in ballots were handled or something. And he's making the case that this violates the Constitution because the Constitution says the le- state legislature should set the procedure uh, of elections. That's kind of interesting. There's something in Wisconsin where they claim they can actually show that although the state law, as I understand it, although the state law uh, dictates that you have to request a, a ballot to a mail-in ballot to to mail one in to get one, you know, they claim they can demonstrate that tens of thousands of people did not request them but got them and mailed them in. I, I still think getting a remedy for that would be challenging. But well, the remedy is cons- a problem in the first one too. Yeah, obvious. Obviously, they relax their something happened. And the, the number of ballots that was were thrown out by signature because a signature mismatch like your daughter's, I believe, were uh, hers was put were, in the twilight zone and was cured. Was cured. Okay. So so the the Stacey Abrams decision said you can't even throw them out initially unless you get more than one inspector and they agree by majority vote. And the argument is that that was too cumbersome. Basically, they gave up. No no inspector said okay. I'm going to stop everything and convene a, a meeting with my fellow inspectors, uh, one of which who has to be in the other party, uh, and we're going to throw this ballot out. So they basically gave up. But I think they gave up throughout the United States. I think the the throwing out of mail-in ballots sort of went way down. And uh, I just don't see how you throw out those ballots. What are you going to do? We That's don't know hard. anymore which ones they are. So we're going to throw them all out or we're going to count them all. And I think you have to count them all. Um, that's true. 
Uh, I that's don't a think, pro- big problem. I, I, with I mean, I, I think in Wisconsin, you might be able to find to know what percentage of them are registered Democrats, but that can't be the basis for anything. Or, or the yeah. fact that it was in a county that, uh, that went 80 percent Biden. I, I don't think that lets you throw out any actual ballots as a practical matter. I mean, I told you I told you what what happened to my reader whose father, dead father voted and the, and the board of elections said, hey, well, it doesn't matter. Some other guy voted this, who, who didn't vote his own ballot, voted mm-hmm. your father's ballot. Yeah. But what about the signature verification? Obviously, that didn't happen. They didn't care about that. So yeah. the, 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 the mail in ballot, is, it's basically an argument for stopping mail in balloting in the future, I think. Well, it is it is more prone to. Uh... Either that or tightening up um, certain things about it. it I mean, a- for example, you can have – I think my daughter's signature, when it was initially rejected, that was a machine that did the rejecting. You yeah. can have AI mass compare signatures. I guess that's happening in some places and not in others. Um, you can, there's, there's things you can do. But um, anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't have any – thing else i urgently we're, you know we're well over an hour now um the uh at some point we could just do this in the parrot room i would like to talk about substack newsletter strategy in light of the you know the fact that now suddenly everyone we you and i can both say we were on substack before it was cool uh we can also say that we failed to uh, turn it into a huge money maker back before a lot of other people did and and have continued to fail, um, but uh, you know now that Matt Iglesias is gone there and so on, I'd like to talk about that. Did you um, uh, have you had an issue come out? You had a newsletter come out this week, didn't you? I did. Uh, we can talk about that. But the interesting thing is, this this shows that the the woke employees of these organizations aren't going to go away because you know they won the election. Okay. Substack is now the redoubt of people who don't want to be mow-mowed by, by woke millennials. And the woke millennials have now turned their guns on Substack and saying, you know, where are the people of color writing for Substack, et cetera. There was a, an article, a ridiculous article in the Columbia Journalism Review. So well, wait, they, but, they're, no, that, they're not going to go away and they have to shoot at something. So they're going to shoot at Substack now. That article didn't really do a lot of complaining about wokeness. It did in, in, it, 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 it kind of, uh, Characterized Andrew Sullivan in unflattering terms, but it went into the whole bell curve thing, and when it mentioned Andrew, yeah, Yeah. but but I wouldn't call it a lot of pressure. Um, I I don't. Substack shows no signs so far of uh, of of surrendering to to either wokeness or anti wokeness, Um, or being or being bought by Twitter, which would be just as they deny that they could be bought by Twitter. so I I I uh I should plug my um my these things we're doing on my newsletter non-zero newsletter these uh progressive realism report cards we're giving to various Biden would uh prospective Biden advisors we did Tony Blinken last week did you know that he uh Blinken himself who who may be the next national security advisor secretary of state caught wind of that and commented very quickly and in a very in a very winning humble way i thought i i mean it's funny we gave him a low grade but the way he responded made me was so diplomatic in terms of uh he praised your book 
he praised my book. And and so that makes it hard for me to trash him on Twitter. One of your books. He, he would have gotten more points if he praised one of the more obscure ones. Instead, he praised the most popular one. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll do other... If he praised non-zero or evolution of God, he would have... That would have gotten him huge points. He, yeah, he did not get a great upgrade on the basis of, of praising <laughs> only one book. But um, anyway, we're going to do uh, William Burns next uh, in a news that will come out within the next few days. you got to do Susan Rice next because it's Susan Rice versus uh, Tony Blinken for the big jobs. Oh, I don't think it's that simple. Okay. Uh, I mean, Susan Rice could face trouble uh, f- uh, from a Republican Senate because of the Benghazi obsession. Right, right, right. Uh, so I, I think I think on Secretary of State they could wind up waiting until they see who's running the Senate. I don't know, but um, uh, whereas the Secretary of Defense is, seems uh, less subject to that, uh, given given who's in the running. Who is the Treasury Secretary? He said he has one. I forget. Uh, has he said who the name is? No, he has. I would right. remember if he said the name. Well, that's reassuring. Said, then I didn't said, forget. He said he has one who's widely acceptable to all factions with rules out Elizabeth Warren. So who, who who is it? I mean, uh, well, I think I think what she should be is uh, attorney general uh, and exercise her antitrust impulses. But that's I don't, actually I don't know. a very that's a very good idea. Yeah. That's that's very popular these days to break up but, big tech companies. She would be good at that. Well, she's basically a Naderite nerd, and that's a perfect job for that person. That you should promote that. That's a good idea. I, I'm not the first. Uh, I don't think I'm the first to say it, but well, I don't. But care. I haven't heard it in a while. I heard it. I heard it months ago. Um, uh, so anyway, what is what was in your newsletter, or at least give us the name of your newsletter? Oh, I just. That my newsletter is called Cows Files. I I I just I had two, uh, three ideas. I two I two of them I think I broached on the show. One is this theory that the reason the Democrats lost is just because Democrats didn't vote for the down ballot because they're just the mail-in voters were were less interested in voting for the down ballot. They just wanted to vote for Biden and go home and you know, like be done with it. Uh, and I had one one reader very uh, kindly sent information from his own county, which seemed to show that there was actually less drop off for the mail in ballots, although it didn't break it down by party. Hmm. That's an evidence against it. And then there was an article by Joan Walsh in The Nation where she said, had Democrats complaining, well, the Democrats didn't vote for the down ballot. So that affirms it. So I think the jury is still out on that. Uh and uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that Trumpism without Trump isn't the popular position. It's just a question of how how we how do we arrive there? Did we arrive it because Republicans voted for Trumpist candidates but not for Trump himself, or just because the Democrats don't bother to vote for down ballot? Either way, the result was Republican candidates win down ballot and not at the top, and Trump didn't win at the top. Uh, and the second thing was, I think that's like this joke idea I had of uh, there's so many people applying for slots in the Biden administration, they should start a second shadow government, a sort of B team to give them all, handle all the people whose mouths need to be fed, uh, you know, uh, and so he doesn't have to tell no to so many of them. And I forget what the third item was. It was so moving and, and memorable. The yeah. the um, <clears throat> we should maybe. Uh, tell people that 
it was discovered in the parrot room, which we record after this every week, that uh, my dismissal of one of your arguments had been uh, premature, and it had turned out to be logically airtight, and I just hadn't grasped it. Well, that's that? what I. That's the first item was an attempt to uh, respond to your to your objection. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The idea was. Um, so what you were saying that the roll roll off on the Democratic side, that is, say, people voting for Biden but not for lower tier candidates, explained. Wait, tell us. Explains again. why the, the Democratic lower tier candidates lost, whereas Biden won. And it's all explained by the by the it's all explained by the Democratic side. The Republicans could have voted straight ticket, Trump mm-hmm. and and the lower down. No, Republican it's clear candidates. that it explains that. But you were arguing something else. You you were arguing. Um, that it explains why Trump was outperformed by republic lower level by Republican senators and 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 House and people in the House that that uh, that you know uh, outperformed in the sense that he lost and they won. I don't know. I don't know. No, the no, raw, no, no, no. The raw no, no, numbers. No. I no. Give yourself more credit. I think I thought you were you were saying. Um, well, well, okay, yeah, fine. We'll leave it at that. But I didn't, I didn't get that even that logic at the time. And you, 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 you hadn't mounted uh, your the, the counter but, logic yeah, it, that that it, I succumbed to in the parrot. It can be it can be empirically disproven if it's if it's proven that twenty thirty percent of Republicans voted for Biden and Republicans down ballot split their mm-hmm. ticket. Uh, then the theory is, as some as some candidates claimed, and canvassers, mm-hmm. uh, then it's disproven. But uh, all the data is the split ticket voting is going down, down, down. Uh, mm-hmm. If it shows that it if it shows that it blew up this year, then then the theory blows up too. I think. Okay. I mean, I guess what I was thinking is it doesn't just explain. And it's Walter Shapiro's theory. It's not my theory. Okay. So the roll off theory. Uh, it do- uh, I, what I was thinking is it doesn't just explain why Trump. Lost and they won, but why I think he, he outperformed his polls by less than they outperformed theirs, and that's a that I hadn't wrapped my mind around why it explains that, but I think it does anyway. Uh, it, it 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 gets rid of a lot of ideological explanations, like Democratic voters were repulsed; they were for Biden, but they were repulsed by AOC and the and the the far left. Okay, no, they just forgot to, they just didn't bother to vote. It's not that they were repulsed. Although maybe that's why they didn't bother to vote, but I doubt it. Uh, and it, it gets rid of a lot of ideological ex, uh, takes on it, which, some of which I like. Mm. Sort of a mechanical explanation. Okay, so, um, there's, there's a point I want to make about that. Maybe we'll save it for. You gotta the, save everything for the parrot room. We have nothing left to talk about there. The parrot room. Um, this is true. We're so, in uh, other, other self-promotion, uh, the, you can support us on we're Patreon, patreon.com slash parrot room. We're going to have uh, to talk, we're going to have to talk about our adolescent sexual experiences like Obama does in his new biography. Well, well let's talk about that in the, I hope, but we yeah. should dig up that quote from his thing and talk about it in the, okay. in the parrot room. It, it was, it was kind of gross. Not, not in the sense, I don't find it gross in the sense that a lot of people did just, Gross. Not not even gross. I'll, I'll figure out what the word is in between now and the parrot room. Anyway, 
people can support us on Patreon whether or not they want to uh, take all of the bait we're laying out for actually going to the pair room. They could just support us because they think that the more money we have, the better. Um, the pair room is the bag man for this podcast. Like you know who? Anthony Ulasowicz. I was thinking of Hunter Biden. Okay. <laughs> um, the uh, but uh, yes, uh, and also rate and review us. Well, rate and review the right show, which is what this is. It's also blogging heads. Also, smash the like button. Anything else? No, my my Substack is called Cal's Files at Substack. It's free. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for long, but it's free now. And mine, you can get either at Substack or you can go to uh, nonzero.org and and, uh, and see the archives. Uh, and so we will we will see you, uh, I guess, in the in the uh, parrot room, Mickey. Yep. See you.